Hello there, Pod Jock number two, Gene Baxter here on Podcast Radio. Something new on the schedule this week on Wednesdays and weekends. Please tune in and hear British Scandal. From the Wondery Podcast Network, it's wonderful. Listen to these hosts, Alice Levine. You know her as the co-creator and co-host of the phenomenally successful and hilarious My Dad Wrote a Porno Podcast and stand-up comedian and host of the Political Party Podcast, Matt Ford. These two have amazing chemistry and a great time. And the show covers all your favorite British scandals from history and some you never even heard about. Alice and Matt are celebrating the one-year anniversary of the podcast with a live show coming up. Let's find out about that and what's next for British Scandal as we ring up Matt right now. Hello. Good morning. We don't need video, by the way. If you don't don't care for video, we don't need it, but I'm happy to look at your pretty face. Well, if I'm just doing it, I probably won't. Okay. (laughs) A bit weird if it's just me, so I might... uh... If everyone does it, I'll do it. I'm I'm easily led. Oh, is that how you roll? If everyone does it, I'll do it? Didn't your mom ever tell you about jumping off a cliff, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know you're a uh, a very busy man, so I won't waste a lot of your time. I'll just waste some of your time. Happy friendiversary to you and Alice on the success and the one-year anniversary of British Scandal. Congratulations. That must feel good. Oh, thank you. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's flown by, really. Mm. Um, And... You know, it's mad when, when we think about these things and people say, oh, what was your favourite series? And you, you struggle to name them all. And the moment someone names them, you think, oh, my God, we've recorded hundreds of these things. You know, it feels like we've done so many. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's a good sign that, that you know, you're, you're enjoying it so much that it, the time passes very quickly. Certainly, yes. And, and in a world, I, I always ask this question when I have the opportunity to speak with fellow podcasters, because I am one myself. When you sit down to make that decision, I'm going to put something new out into the world, especially in a world of 2022 where we have over what? Is it over 4 million podcasts out there? You have to ask, does the world need this one? <laughs> is, is, and is there an audience for it? Did you have thoughts like that at the time when you were first discussing British Scandal? Yes, of course. And I think with podcasts, um, it, I, I think it's helpful. Because it's a new, a relatively new medium, it has evolved, really, from what it was. And there are elements of what it was still around. But it, it sort of began almost as a hobbyist thing, podcast, and everyone was doing it. And now it's become way more professional. So in a way, it's like thinking about television. Mm-hmm. There are obviously billions of TV shows um, and new ones get made all the time because people uh, realize they can do new things with the form and they have new ideas. And I just thought what was so exciting about this was the fact that it feels like there's an endless well of really tantalizing, scandalous. I think people love scandal because they love gossip and they love intrigue. And I think there's something really attractive about going back over great scandals you will have heard of and great scandals you won't have, uh, you won't have heard of and, and going to them in detail and, and really enjoying the comical moments. So I never really doubted that there was a market for it. But obviously, like anything, whether it's a show or a, an invention, you have to find that market and, and hope that your audience finds you. And I think that's something that um, in podcasting can sometimes take some time is how do you get it to the people that will like it? Uh, and luckily, obviously, being part of Wondery just makes that so much easier. Of course. Yeah. No, that was a, that was a big step in the right direction. Was it concerning to you? when a very British scandal became a television sensation, (laughs) making it almost impossible for anyone with the slightest interest in your show to be able to Google it again. (laughs) Do you know what? I hadn't thought of that dimension. I'm the sort of person that always thinks, oh, that that shows we're onto something. You know, if you're using a phrase that then other people start using, Uh I think it's reassuring. You go, okay, maybe 
I should have been a, a, a bit more savvy about it and, <laughs> and thought, oh, maybe, maybe this is a threat. But I just think in general, if you're using words and phrases that then are starting to catch on and be used elsewhere, I think that's a sign that you're, you're in the right place. I once had to, I can't remember why now, but I needed to Google the band. And there's a band called The Band, right? And oh, they're very no. popular. Uh, try finding a band called The Band on the internet. Very difficult, Matt. Don't know how you would do that. <laughs> exactly. That, what is the answer? Well, I mean, I think you you maybe you write in Robbie Robertson, the lead singer's name, or you write in Canada, or you write in the name of some of their songs or albums. I mean, you really just have to work at it because it's not going to automatically present itself. Very similar to your situation with the very and then the British scandal. Did you and Alice know one another before you were put together, or were, was this an arranged marriage for you two to co-host this thing? <laughs> We'd, we'd spoken a couple of times before when, when the project was being devised. So we'd, we'd spoken before, but prior to working together, no, we'd never met. And what's strange about that is we are both from a part of England called Nottingham, which is, as far as cities go, quite small. And it's certainly not like being from London or, or Manchester or from Glasgow. So we're both from quite a small city. And it's kind of surreal that we hadn't met, given the line of work that we're both in. But yeah. Um, we hit it off immediately, which was obviously a great relief for everyone. Did she share your enthusiasm for the Forest Club, or do you drive her crazy with talking football? <laughs> I think she's less bothered than me, but I think that's true of most people inside and outside of Nottingham. I am um, hopelessly obsessed. Uh, yes. In uh, these podcast days, and particularly coming out of these lockdown days, many presenters and podcast co-hosts never see each other in person. I haven't seen my podcast partner for almost three years no in the way. flesh. I, and I'm wondering if that's a similar situation for you two, or do you get together to make the show? We get together and we record it in a studio in Soho in central London. And uh, we sit in this little box together. And we take it in turns to narrate a series each. And what's really cool about that is it's almost like that's where, because these sorts of podcasts now are just a completely different product, really, to, to how podcasts first started. So we do our bit where we read it out. And then when we get to listen back to it a few weeks later and all the audio has been added in, mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's like being part of um, like, a, like a production line, really, like in an old Ford factory where we do, we sort of put the body together and then all the cool touches, you know, the wheels and the gadgets and things, they get put on and then you get to see the car at the end of it. And you've all been part of this, making these phenomenal pieces of entertainment, um, which is very satisfying. So for us, actually, it's very lo-fi. When you hear it back, it's like a Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. But at the time, we, it is just Alice and I sat in a pokey little office in, uh, in Britain, reading these things out with a cup of coffee and a bottle of water. Well, it, it's brilliantly produced, obviously. I'm not the first to tell you that. It's a wonderful, wonderful listen, and I, I am a big fan. And you made a decision at the beginning that there weren't going to be interviews, for instance. It was going to, it's a scripted podcast, essentially, that then has ad libs added after the fact. Is that right? It's just like storytelling is what it is when I put it on. Yeah, it, 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 I've never really worked on anything like this before. So it's a mixture of, uh, as you say, scripted storytelling, and the writers are superb. Uh, and the, sometimes I read them in advance, and they're just incredible. You feel your heart racing. You know, you can't wait to tell this story. And then we both ad lib around it and add in jokes or thoughts or questions and things. And then at the end of each series, we have an interview. So we'll do three or four episodes of series, and then we'll interview someone involved in it at the end or a journalist who was a, an expert in the field. Mm -hmm. But that just adds a bit of 
just a bit i think it's really interesting a bit of context i think is what it is absolutely yeah. and and it's i think it's really cool to go on this dramatic journey with it with all this production and then just in a way you know what it is you know after you've watched something amazing then you google it that interview is effectively like we've done the google search for you so you, you, that thing where you want to know even more about something yes. we provide yes. that as well which is i i, I think a, a lovely touch are you a fan of this sort of material? Would I find you at home on a Friday night if you weren't working watching uh, a true crime drama or a Netflix presentation of The Staircase or something like that? Do you get sucked into those? Oh, man. I love The Staircase. Yeah. And I loved... Uh, there's a Robert Maxwell series on, on the BBC at the moment. All those sorts of things are phenomenal, yeah. I mean, I absolutely love that sort of thing. Intrigue, particularly around the sorts of themes we have on British scandals, so political scandals, uh, the monarchy, power, you know... Um, things like Nick Leeson or Enron, you know, all those like big scandals. I just you can't get enough of them. And you live in a Britain where there's a new scandal every week. I hope you're making notes for shows that you can do in the future. I mean, I can't wait for Beergate, Currygate. That's going to be a great episode. <laughs> My God. I mean, I have to, I'm very grateful in a, in a very odd way for some of the politicians that we currently have in this country because they have secured, in a way, the future of the show because we'll be able to keep going for years. You know, that, that, that back in mind, we're going to run out of scandals. And then, thankfully, our, our leaders have decided to provide us with yes. plenty of material for future series. This is the voice of podcaster and comedian Matt Ford here on Podcast Radio. We're talking about the recent passing of the one-year anniversary of British Scandal. And we'll tell you how you can see the show live here in a couple of minutes. It's so interesting. You talk about how there's a, an inexhaustible amount of scandals. I was worried when I looked over your first year and I realized that you had already hit the Murdoch phone scandal, the Russians that were poisoned, the who wants to be a millionaire, the Profumo. I thought, oh my gosh, they, they, like save something, hold something back. But apparently you, you don't have to worry about running out. <laughs> apparently there's a, a mountain of material out there just waiting for you guys to get your hands on it. Yes, and I think there, there, are, there are different types of scandal. And I think certainly, like the Sex Pistols series, you know, the, that's not necessarily, if you'd heard the first three or four series, you wouldn't necessarily say that that was one that you would expect. So I think as well as, I think it's really satisfying to do the big ones that people expect, Profumo, and like I say, phone hacking, some of those classic ones from history, Jeffrey Archer, from more recent history, but also to just think of Scandal as a, a slightly broader brief. And I thought what was great about the Sex Pistols series and Sid and Nancy was obviously what went on was a scandal, but they don't immediately, you know, you always think basically politics or money. And I think there are there are more creative ways that we can approach future series and, and think about things that do and don't constitute a scandal. So, I mean, I just don't think there's any danger of running out. And when you think of, you know, some of the things that we haven't yet covered, you know, even just with Murdoch, there are so many different scandals. It's not just phone hacking. Right. So many other things that have happened. It's just an endless quarry of uh, scandal gold. Well, because people be people, man. That's why. <laughs> well, exactly. People make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and often those people are in positions of influence and power and, and they make for great stories. Well, I have to tell you, I'm so glad that you brought up the Sex Pistols series because that was the biggest surprise to me. I'm a music nut and I love the Sex Pistols. So much in that episode, those episodes, I didn't know about. It's a miracle to me that that band ever was able to stay together, even the few months that they did. When yeah. you hear of the asshattery that was going on and how much Malcolm <laughs> McLaren had to put up with, it's an astonishing ride. And, and if I may just add this, I'll never be able to look at you again 
without thinking of your nickname, Scratch and Sniff. I can't believe <laughs> that you shared that. It's an yeah. awful image, Matt. Well, for context, it was an old um, English teacher called me it because I had um, eczema and still do. And, and I, 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 you know, there's no polite way of saying this. As a boy at school, I'd occasionally break wind. So because of those two attributes, my old English teacher, Mr. Wilson, <laughs> called me Scratch which I thought was an amazing nickname and I loved it. Um, I think these days teachers would probably be um, <laughs> sort of struck off. That in yes. itself would be a scandal. That's the yeah, sort you wouldn't thing be allowed. You wouldn't be allowed to, to give a nickname like that. See, this is how you can tell that you're a comedian because anyone else would bury that in the deepest hole in the earth and make sure to, to kill anyone who knew of it so that it would never get out to his friends and family. You were so delighted to be able to share that little tidbit with Alice. You're so proud of it. Oh, I think it's great. I just think in life, you know, if, if, if a funny thing happens, you, you cherish it. And, and and rather than take offense, I mean, it's easier said than done perhaps for some people. But I just thought it was a really, and the way he said it was funny and the whole class laughed. And I just thought, <laughs> oh, this is great. You know, it was almost like a roast. It was okay. You know, and I just think it's so cool that a teacher felt so comfortable that he could say that to a student and Indeed. not fear sanction or offense. Let's talk about the live celebration with your fans. How are you going to package that in one night live on stage? So this is going to be a one-off episode. So this will just be a one, the, for the first time ever, it will be an episode that is just one self-contained episode. That in itself is a, a great challenge because obviously, I'm sure this is not a revelation to anyone, but stuff gets edited out. Sure. So, um, you know, how much of this, trying to keep it to basically roughly an hour or so, I think is going to be um, slightly tricky. It's going to be a live blooper reel is what it is. Well, exactly. That's what we're slightly worried. Now, I don't mind it being a live blooper reel, but I, I'm also sure that people would like a level of professionalism. And also, obviously, all the music and everything isn't usually there. You know, we've never done the show with all the production present. We just record right, it usually. Right, right, right. So this is going to be like part of being part of an orchestra in a way. And, uh, and a live radio drama. It could be the 1930s. What is the topic going to be that night? So the live episode will be a, just a one-episode series, and it's about a British artist called John Myatt, who used to just sell legally reproductions of famous book, works of art. So you could okay. have, instead of just buying a print of a Van Gogh, he would do... I mean, this happens all over the place, doesn't it? He would sure. paint a, a good version of it. He'd sell it to you, not pretending that it was a, a genuine Van Gogh, and then it looks better on your wall. At some point, things change. And he and someone else realizes that they can make a lot more money if these things are sold as real. And it is a it is a phenomenal and really um, you know with all these things, your heart your heart rate is going when you're listening to this story. It is a high wire act, you know. And I think there's something about art fraud that is particularly, I think that we quite like. I think most people love an art fraud story because they think one, I would never fall for it. Because most people don't spend that sort of money on art. Most people sure. don't have that sort of money. So in a way, it's it's roguish, but it's also, I think people don't mind in a way. It, do you know what I mean? I think people think, well, if people are stupid enough to pay £20 million for a painting, you know, yeah. in a way, not that it's a victimless crime. I think people quite enjoy the, the shard. So, so you're telling me if a man knocks on my door and offers to sell me the Mona Lisa, I should think twice. It may not be real. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I think that's just good life advice. And I, I wouldn't just extend that to the Mona Lisa. <laughs> I would say in general, if someone turns up on your door selling you famous works of art, 
they're almost, I mean, they're 100% fake. As we're speaking here, Matt, you've just debuted the next series on British Scandal, which is the Jeffrey Archer case that you mentioned earlier. And that's a, I can't wait to hear that one because he was involved in so many different kinds of crimes, right? Everything from financial fraud to the paying the prostitutes and plagiarism, stealing suits. I mean, this guy has it all. Archer is probably one of the most requested series that we've had. People always say, oh, you've got to do Jeffrey Archer. You've got to do Jeffrey Archer because... You're right. There's so many elements to it, and there's so many elements to his the, his deceptions and, and the different types of things that he had going on. And of course, as well as being a prominent conservative and now a member of the House of Lords, and for a period of time the Tory candidate for London Mayor, he's also obviously a world famous author. Right, hundreds of millions of books. Sold. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, the guy's no so, hack, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's again, you know, that's another dimension to it where some people. I don't know. I think there are people around the world that don't realise that there's that side to Geoffrey Archer, that he, that he had that life, even in politics, let alone the scandal. So, you know, it's a, it, it's a multifaceted. And, and it's, for me, you know, I grew up in a time where I'm 39 now. So when I was growing up and the last time the Conservatives were in power before this, the last few years of that Tory government was just absolutely dogged by sleaze and scandal and it was a I remember it as a real moment where as a child watching the news all the time it just felt like there was always people going to court and going to prison and like these these big powerful people were always in court and they, they they'd done all these wrong things You're like oh my god this is mad so in a way doing Archer for me was like remembering the first album I bought or you know like having a you know when you have like sweets from your childhood and it immediately yes. takes you back that's right it's like that. you're like oh man I remember these times <laughs> so there's something really nostalgic about it I love it British Scandal from Wondery tremendous must listen podcast Matt I've really enjoyed our chat together please give my best to Alison congratulations on the success of your show sir Gene you are a gentleman and a wonderful interviewer thank you very much Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.